0: Here's a quick note to the church leaders who are present here with us. I do remember seeing Mr. Gonzaga with us, and this is going to be really a couple of things for us as leaders to note as we try to talk about the church and its role to the growth of the individuals or the believers. And I did find some research online, and this was done in the year 2018, before the pandemic. And it's it's it said that as churches drift into ministry routines, it can easily be overlooked. It can easily overlook blind spots um, or aspects of the church service or culture uh, that keep guests from returning. He says for this reason, the company Faith Perceptions sends out mystery guests. Uh, to churches to help them see their service through the eyes of a visitor and to understand what can be improved so guests will be more likely to return and, and they say that we send out real people from the church's mission field people who aren't regularly attending church anywhere to visit and share feedback on their experience uh, and that is says uh, what's her name i think that's melanin uh, swollen this is the founder Um, and president of Faith Perceptions whose company has now deployed ministry guests to more than 10,000 worship services across the nation with over a decade of experience reporting feedback from church ministry, uh, ministry visits. And this article is found on Lifeway Research. This is where uh, most of these uh, results um, were uh, recorded. And, and she lists four blind spots that churches have. Of, uh, if you know, if you're familiar with a blind spot, if you're driving a car, um, you look through the driving mirror, there's a part of the road which you cannot see, both from your overhead mirror and your side mirror. There's, there's, a, there's a part of the road which you cannot see, and it's called a blind spot. And if you've seen several... Driving uh, mirrors, they have another tiny round uh, mirror within the driving mirror. And that small round mirror is used usually to try and remove that blind spot. It's a very, very, very dangerous place uh, to have border borders. That's why border borders usually perish uh, because they are small and sometimes they don't fit into. Or they're, they're usually fitted into that blind spot and so you overtake and you don't see the motorcycle that's the blind spot but a blind spot at this point that we are referring to are areas that we ministry leaders sometimes overlook um, even as we try to carry out ministry in church and the first blind spot that is mentioned uh, by this lady um and this i said is found on lifeway uh, research.com is where you will find this article uh, called The Four Biggest Blind Spots of Churches. Blind spot number one is that friendliness is not enough. And, and, and she says that uh, churches who think they are the friendliest church in town are often surprised to discover otherwise from ministry mystery guests' feedback. Uh, and, and she says that some churches may have an extremely close-knit bond between long-standing members, but the friendliness does not always translate into reaching out to guests. And now we're talking about guests. And she says, and even when guests do experience friendliness, that alone isn't enough to drive them back the next week. And says, we hear guests say, the church was really friendly but that wasn't enough of a reason for me to want to come back there are a lot or i mean says there are a lot of friendly and yet dying churches out there and she says that a church's friendliness is important but guests are also looking for things like a good worship experience faith formation opportunities a healthy kids ministry and opportunities to engage in activities that do good for the world if your church offers these things make a point to communicate it from the stage via church signage and on the church's website people who regularly attend may be aware of the may be aware the church offers sunday school kids ministry or bible study through the week But a real blind spot for churches is to assume that guests know about these things when it may not be listed on the church website or anywhere else. And the takeaway here for us is don't derive false security from overused superlatives like we are the friendliest church in town. Use all the tools at your disposal, physical and digital, to communicate a holistic vision of what your church offers to the guests and that is really to the guests but let me take a pause here ladies and gentlemen for those of you who uh faithful church goers taking a pause here to try and not so much uh play the devil's advocate but let's flip to the other side honestly and ask the question are we over and, and I honestly could not find the right word to use. Are we over assuming? I don't know if that's the right word to use. I've seen teacher Phoebe here. Maybe give me the English word. Are we over, um, not, not estimating, but are we requiring so much from the church? Um, are we over expecting from the church? Does the church need to impress you like a business or else you won't come back? Does the church really need to impress me as a like a business would, like MTN would for me to come back? I mean, when I see this article, when I see these results, and I hear statements like, we hear guests say the church was really friendly, but that wasn't enough a reason for me to come back. Friendliness is not enough of a reason for you to come back. You want more. And it sounds like, man, we we are over, we are overing. Um, I don't know if that is the word, sometimes we can be overing, and you, you you may be the judge tonight, and the question you're going to ask Roy is, whatever happened when Roy uh, had a very bad test of the church, whatever that is, whatever he's referring to as a blind spot, whatever Roy experienced, was it his own making? What is the church? Is he referring to an individual that hurt him when he says the church? And, and these are things that are really here for us to ponder on tonight. And ladies and gentlemen, our discussion tonight will hopefully push us back to a realization that our faith is both personal, and, uh, but also we leave it out amidst other brethren. It is called the body of Christ. It is called the body of christ and, and and the hand in this example cannot live by itself so we cannot live by ourselves and this website uh, lifeway research uh, lists another blind spot i'm not going to go through the four of them i'm only going to mention two of them please go out and check out the rest of the article if you would like to just increase your understanding on how these things work second blind spot here that was mentioned it says we follow up, right? And at this point in time, they are really, really, really coming on to churches that do not follow up. And this really got me. In fact, as a church, we are going to have to change a couple of things when it comes to this. It might be true uh, to some of us who are listening in tonight. I it is said that, and I quote, first impressions are really important. And I quoted this for us in the poster that I sent out. But what I see churches fail to do is they fail to focus on what happens after the service. And uh, this is called Farewell Ministry. What happens after the service and during follow-up? Faith Perceptions, the company that is doing this research, did a year-long study on what happened after guests voluntarily left their contact information with the churches. The result proved to be sobering. It is said that out of the guests we surveyed who left their contact information, only twenty four percent received follow-up, she says. In other words, these churches squandered three out of every four of the visitor leads they worked so hard to collect. So out of a hundred people who visited these churches, only. Only 24 were followed up, and these are the ones who actually left their contacts behind. And the simple solution for us who are listening in tonight is to overcome this blind spot um, related to follow-up is to actually, just like Nike says, just do it, just do it, follow up, follow up, follow up. And not to just be really heavy on the churches right now. Let me just ask and and, and just encourage each one of us who is here not to expect to be followed up, but at the end of this podcast, reach out to a friend, just find out how they are doing, find out how they are doing. And the reason for us doing that is just to ask the question, how may I pray for you? How may I pray for you? But let's think about it. If the follow-up ministry fails to follow up, what happens to the churches that do not have this department? What happens to churches that don't have this department? And the lesson for us tonight is don't expect to be followed up. And uh, using my own words here is that's cheju. And uh, the other word is kajanja. What's the English word for kajanja? Those of you who understand Luganda, I failed to find that word. But let's get up and go to church. Let's get up and go and serve another. Do not expect to be served. Be the servant. Be the servant. And, and I believe that this will really, really bring focus on this whole issue. I think sometimes, not always, we focus in the wrong direction. But I believe that, yes, there you go. Thank you so much, Grace Natalie. It's do familiarity. Don't, don't overknow. Yeah, don't overknow God. I mean, he died for you. He died for the church. And let's not expect the church to be a business and blame it for the wrong decisions that we make. And I pray that tonight... We are going to be encouraged, honestly, as believers, uh, to be able to live better and to borrow the words of Oswald Chambers, to be our best, uttermost for his highest. Let me play for you this song, Turn Your Eyes, Turn Your Eyes by Sovereign Grace. I believe that this song is a bit mellow for one evening, but let's think about the words that we'll be hearing from this song. Maybe it will help us focus on what really matters. On what really matters, because I think the things that we do during the week, how we've scheduled and structured ministries, sometimes can be, can be not always can be a distraction, and I think that is what Roy is going to be referring to tonight as the church being a blind spot. Thank you so much, Joel, for coming in and giving us your thoughts. Uh, when I think of the church, Joel says, I'm reminded of marriage that hard times that make us want to quit will come but since you know who christ is we are strengthened by him to stand in him who we are united to the scripture bless me Uh, more in addition to know that the church is where two or more gather in his name husbands love your wives yes christ love the church but joel let me not get into this, but what do you know about marriage? Anyway, we'll talk about that on Sunday when we meet as men to just simply talk about this. But thank you so much, Joel. In fact, that reminds me of uh, just our discussion for tonight. It's, it's going kind of tied to uh, marriage. So, Joel, thank you so much for bringing that up. But tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined uh, by Roy once again as he continues to share his story with us. We began by checking out his home. I'm actually preparing a message, Roy, and entitling it uh, Men That Wash Dishes or Men That Do Dishes. And I can only credit that to you. I'll, I'll, I'll deliver this message in person to one audience someday, hopefully uh, next month. I'm really looking forward to our time together uh, with these couples. But, but thank you so much for the inspiration to continue studying uh, on these things. I think it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful discussion. Like I mentioned before, I, I, I think men have washed dishes in the last two years like no other time in the history of mankind. And, hey, man, we, 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 did, we, did, decide, we did discuss that, that particular statement on Monday. And then on Wednesday, we looked at work and its challenges, especially in COVID times. And, and today we are going to focus on the role of the church. Now, the church has taken a beating, man. In the last two years and uh i think each one of us are still wondering especially those of you in uganda right now who are not sure when the church is going to open i think the kenyans have already opened rwanda has opened at a rate of i think it's 30 uh, percent occupants but still uh, the church has taken a beating and uh but but roy we have to understand that uh, the church in my own perspective, is, and I believe it's true also biblically, is the most important institution in this world. And and that's not an overstatement. Why? Because marriage is great, but God did not have to die for marriage. He died for the church. So, Roy, what, what do you mean when you say church can be a blind spot? What do you mean with that? um thank you david for the opportunity
1: and the chance it's good to be back um, this friday and to share god's word especially in relation to my own reflections as a christian and today in line and in tandem with the church now to answer your question how can the church be a blind spot um how can possibly this church that has been so beaten down so affected especially the last two years by the effects of covid be a blind spot. And um David when you when I joined in the podcast you were discussing something very beautiful and I will borrow part of it and just to elaborate my point and say that sometimes the church is a blind spot especially for the Christians. Because Christians can in in, in instances adore and almost make the church almost like an idol and I'm using this word very sparingly and very carefully um, Not to seem blasphemous, but um, To just say that sometimes Christians hide behind the church And I'm not talking about just the church in form of believers, but even in church in form of buildings how many times have we, as individuals, been so keen to go to church, the building, but fail to see church, the fellowship? On Monday, like here in Word of Life, you'll find you'll be asked, hey, did you happen to attend your local church this weekend, and what is it that you learned from your local church? And going to church is almost has almost become ritualistic, um, just so that we can be seen have entered a building uh, that is called the church but when you look at my christian life when you look at my uh, my fellowships when you look at what it is that actually does make me a christian and you remove the word church then there is nothing that can actually show my christianity Um, as i will be sharing today you will see that sometimes there are christians who have taken the church as a label something to add to their fashion that I actually go to church every Sunday. And um, I remember as I finished, one Peter Odanga usually encouraged us while I was still a and he, He reminded us that don't go to hell through the church. Don't allow yourself to go to hell through the church. Don't be so deceived to think that belonging to a building or practicing certain ordinances make you a Christian. Think of your own personal relationship. And probably the reason why um, the church has gotten a thorough beating, um, especially from the unbelievers or the general community, is because of the behavior of the Christians. We are the ones who have painted the church in a bad light. And This is just part of the discussion that I was hoping and I'm praying that I'll be able to share with us all, even as we reflect on the church and see its role um, in our own Christian work. David.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Roy. It's interesting that you refer to the church, um, and I know you use that word very carefully. Sometimes how we perceive it, we, we, we tend to look at the church as an idol, and I like the statements you're using hide behind the church. And the question you're asking, we go to church, the building, and not the fellowship. That's that's interesting. Um, why? Because it's true. And uh, sometimes when church ends, we are quick to remember that we left lunch cooking at home and we are rushing to return. And, and that's for that's for those of you Kenyans who are able to go to church as a building or as a <laughs> gathering. <laughs> then for us here at home, You go to church while you're cooking. You go to church while you're doing other things. And even when you're done, it's like you watch TV. There was no fellowship. There was no fellowship. Mm. And we were thinking about this with Grace the other day. And uh, I'm sorry to bring up these things. Usually, I I saw, now I'm digressing, I saw a post on Facebook of a pastor's son who was saying that uh, pastor's children are responsible for uh, 35% of all the sermon illustrations, and <laughs> I do not know what percentage the wives take. So when I say we talked about this with Grace the other day, and now I'm bringing a very personal conversation into our illustration today. But to make a point, because these are things that really happen in our lives as ministers of God, and we have no other examples to give apart from the relationship we have with our wives. Anyway, back to the point. Talking about even fellowship, that today... A phone, when you called someone uh, before, it it was good that you got a phone call from a friend. But today you've spent hours and hours working home and a phone call is part of work. Then you try to call a friend and they're telling you, I'm at work, I'm at work. And the phone cannot be busy by you calling because it's used, the boss will want to check in. Then it gets to evening at about 5 p.m., 6 p.m., you attempt to call a friend. And they're thinking, man, I have just been on the phone the whole day working. This is not the time to start receiving calls. Going back to our illustration, our, the reality for some of us who are attending church online, it's, it's a program that is taking place. You're not really having fellowship. Church ends and you want to have fellowship, but you still can't because even that space has already been taken away by the routine practice of what has been happening through the day. And fellowship is still difficult. Still. and But again, thank you. Thank you so much, Roy. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to hearing the rest of your story and uh, how this has been for you and, and of what we can learn as believers. So allow me to pray for you. Allow me to pray for you as we get into God's Word this evening. Father in heaven, we... Want to acknowledge and remember what your son did for us on the cross in dying and shedding his blood that we uh, may have fellowship with you and i pray and commit any one of us here among us who are listening that if any one of us here is not a part of your body they, they they've, they've not believed you as lord and savior that tonight the gospel will be clear that at the end of this show that those who do not know you may turn to you and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, and make me your child, that I may be a part of this family. That I may be that our, our joy may be complete together, knowing that we all belong to you as the body. Allow us to grow, yeah, because the body is organic; it grows, it matures. Allow us to grow in our knowledge of you tonight, as we listen and learn from each other. This we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Roy, you're welcome.
1: Amen. Thank you, David. Um... The reason why i chose this title or why i I specifically chose the term reflections of a christian is because sometimes i get a chance to sit and once in a while when the noise of life and the daily occurrences of what makes our day are silent i get to think and i get to ask myself questions who am i If I'm a Christian, what does that mean? And on Monday, I began the journey by just opening up the door to my home and just sharing with people and just telling them how, as a Christian, sometimes I'm affected right here in the home, how my Christian um, life is affected in how I relate with my wife and my daughter. And on Wednesday, I had a chance of also sharing this same experience at work. How has my Christian life been at work? Um, what sort of a Christian have I been? And I try to borrow in some knowledge and some understanding on how or what sort of a worker I should be. And even with the little leadership that God has given me, how ought, how do I ought to behave as a Christian and especially one who considers himself a believer? And today I touch a nerve, I touch uh, a vein, and especially one that when one speaks about it, ought to go through it very carefully, very sensitive, knowing that the church itself has been beaten down, as David, you have so well put it. The church has experienced its own pains. Here's an interesting thing that um, when I was thinking of reflections of a Christian and how the church has been, a blind spot, a stumbling block, or whatever term that you love to use in describing the church. And when I was talking, when I was thinking through this thing, I was not thinking of the church in the form of other believers, but I was thinking of the church in terms of I as a believer. Now the Bible never uses the term visible church or invisible church. And this is basically the whole aspect of a blind spot. As David has aptly put it in a visualization, whenever you're driving, each of us has different blind spots. Um, Those who have left-hand drives are usually more or less likely their blind spot will be on the right side. And those of us who have the normal uh, vehicle, so to speak, our blind spots are usually on the left side. But even with the Church, there are visible things of the Church and there are invisible things of the Church. Now, The idea of the visible Church versus the invisible Church is a natural result of our biblical understanding of the doctrine of salvation. How we understand salvation will help us understand what it means to have a visible Church and what it means to have an invisible Church. Now, I am not disqualifying either but I'm trying to just bring in the harmonious relationship that both the visible church and the invisible church should have. And I'm saying this in the context of my reflections as a Christian and I myself as Roy. The visible church is the expression of Christianity that people can see. The gathering, practices of the individuals in the various church buildings on Sundays. Most of us who go to the more mainstream churches, especially here in Kenya, the Anglican, the PCA, the AIC, the more um, historical, so to speak, churches, there are some ordinances that we usually go through when we go there. Probably you enter the church building, there'll be the opening prayer, there'll be the first reading, there'll be hymns, there'll be maybe a choir presentation, then maybe the speaker will be invited, he'll break the word, then there'll be a benediction, a doxology, whatever it is that you call it, and at the end of the day, the individuals that have attended the service get to go home but the invisible church is the church which only God can see it is our heart it is our essence it is what defines us as born again believers both past present and even the future church one thing that is important to note is that not everyone who attends church or performs religious deeds, is saved. The visible church includes unbelievers. How many of us have interacted with people who claim to know of God, but they do not have a relationship with them? And when you ask them how do they know that they have a relationship with God, they relate it to the material things that they do. I give to charity. I help the sick, I pray for I I I visit the sick, I help the strict children, I give clothes to these people. There's nothing wrong with this act of faith. But it is very it becomes troublesome when we focus so much on the visible church, the side that we can see, the side that everybody else can see and we fail to see the blind spot, the invisible church, our own Christian walk. The invisible church is comprised of the redeemed and the sealed by God. Now the visible church is easily identified by its religious trappings. Think of the church building, how majestic some of these buildings are. We have heard of churches where funds are raised so that they can be able to build these magnificent ideas or um, structures that they are thinking will will best represent their church. Once again, I'm careful to say that there is nothing wrong with churches raising funds to create these good buildings, but it shouldn't end there. The visible church shouldn't just be identified by its church buildings or the ministers or the clergy. Hey, our pastor, our bishop, our reverend, our calendars. We have youth rally in April. We have a workshop in August. We have this. The ordinances, the ceremonies, marriage, funeral, all these things, the denominations, all these are the visible church. When someone says, I go to such and such church, he's actually referring to the visible church. Now, when someone drives by a lake and sees some people being baptized, they are looking at part of the visible church. These are things that can easily be seen. Now, to identify... the visible church is to accept the label of christian but without a spiritual transformation initiated by the spirit of god that label remains as such a christian kenya um i don't know about uganda so much but kenya um prides itself in saying that we are an 80 percent country that they are christians or we're 80 percent Christians. That is what we have prided ourselves as as Kenyans in describing ourselves. But looking at the morality of the Kenyans, corruption, looking at how we interact, the permissiveness that we've allowed ourselves to be part of, our Christian nature only becomes a label. Think of us who love to wear clothes that have certain labels Under Armour, Reebok, Nike. Think of all these things. We, 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 We love our shoes to be defined by a certain label. We love our clothes. Hey, where is that suit for? It's an Armani Giorgio or whatever suits that we fancy wearing. We love people recognizing the label that we are dressed in. And that sometimes is how we find ourselves as Christians, loving to be defined as Christians but not living a life that is a Christian. Now, I'm not saying this in condemnation to other Christians or other people who are out there i'm saying this in reflection to myself because there are times that actually i have dissociated my my spirituality from my christianity i have loved to be known as a christian but i have not practiced to be a believer how many of us can relate maybe i might be the only one but how many of us can relate to um being stopped by a cop on the road, and uh, for whatever reason. Whenever a cop stops me on the road, I usually start thinking um, with the vehicle that I am in, what possibly, uh, what wrong thing could be there with this vehicle? And I remember a friend of mine used to say that whenever he sees a cop on the road, he usually has easy change. 50 shillings notes are always on his dashboard so that whenever they stop him, he just gives them the 50 shillings and it is over. Yet, he defines himself as a Christian. Leave alone the roadside corruption that we see every, I'm saying, um, you have heard of the pastor who is standing on the pulpit and is sharing about love, but at home there is no love. His family cannot testify of his cannot affirm his testimony on the pulpit how many of us have become nominal christians christians by name and and, and just allow me to deviate for a minute or so and just def, uh, just tell you the telltale signs of a nominal christian are you a church or otherwise a religious person whose faith does not go beyond being identified with a church christian group or denomination? What defines you so easily? I'm Anglican. I am PCA or whatever it is that defines you. What defines you as a Christian? Nominal Christians may attend church and Christian functions and they self identify as Christians, but they just use it as a label. I've actually met drunkards um, in a place that I used to live and they could actually quote scripture. Verbative. But when you look at their life, their drinking life, the drunkenness, the debauchery that they engage in, today Christianity is just a label. They know of Christ, but they don't know Christ. How do you view religion? Is it primarily, primarily a social construct that you do not allow it to require much of them in terms of morality or responsibility? Think about your Christian work. And uh, as I'm sharing this, I'm actually thinking of my own Christian work. How many times have I testified that I'm a believer, but I found myself doing things that do not um, qualify my status of being a believer? I have actually shared uh, previously some of those things. I have been angry. I have been resentful. I have been insubordinate. I have done things that have actually made people question, Have I re- uh, is this guy really a Christian, or is this guy really a believer? A nominal Christian can point to membership in church as evidence of his salvation. Hey, I am member number one, two, three, four of the Church of Cabin Devos. That is how they define themselves, by membership numbers. How about our church attendance and participation in routines, activities, or programs? Do we use this as a measuring stick rather than a changed life, a new heart, a love for God, and obedience to the word as our measuring stick? I have attended 51 Sundays out of 52 Sundays in a year in my church, and we equate this as being a changed person. As we even continue just thinking about it, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, there's a gentleman there called Demas. And this is what the uh, Second Timothy says about um, Demas. Just allow me to open that scripture. Says, "For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me." This is Paul talking to Timothy, and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Demas, uh, Demas left or deserted Paul. Just as sometimes our nominal Christianity looks like. When our Christianity is called into question, we easily desert it and look for that which is convenient. First John chapter 2, verse 19 says, They went away, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they All are not of us. Think about your Christian work. Is it nominal or is it active? The invisible church does not need all that makes the visible church visible. Take away the liturgy, the ordinances, the calendars from the visible church. What remains? We recently conducted an interview at Word of Life and I remember... um, A question that was asked during the interview what if there was no church no christian organization no word of life no uh, navigators no single christian organization that is propagating the word of god there was no church there's no building there's nothing how would your christian walk look like or how would you be able to measure your salvation That has always been a challenge, and from that time onwards, I've always been thinking, if I never get a chance to step in a church again, if I never get to work for Word of Life again, what can easily say that Roy is a believer? Religious ceremonies make no difference to the invisible church. Paul says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation, our heart. Burn the church building down. Tear up the hymn books. Get rid of the ordinances. Ask, where are the believers? The visible things of this world include our denominations, our buildings, our hymnals, our prayer books and our pews. But First Corinthians chapter seven verse thirty-one reminds us that all these things are temporary, and that they will pass away. But what does Luke chapter twelve verse thirty-three tell us? When you go to that scripture, for those who might have their Bibles close by, when you look at Luke chapter twelve verse thirty-three, it actually says that sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys it. The one thing that we ought to hold on to dearly is our Christian work, our believer status, not our church status. Do not go to church to go to hell using the church. Don't use the church as a vessel to eternal perishing. And lastly the one thing that makes the church or makes us as the church have blind spots is that all of us shall make god visible to the world in which we live by how we live for it is god who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose philippians chapter 2 verse 13 it is god who actually uses us as vessels to actually show the world His presence, His magnificence, His authority. Let us stop hiding behind churches. And as I'm sharing this, I'm telling myself, Roy, the last two years, as has been my sharing during this week, I have actually gotten a chance to deeply think about my Christian walk and ask myself, have I been hiding behind the church? What has been my motivation to wake up every Sunday? Is it to go to church so that I am ticked in the roll call or the register? Or do I go to church so that I may be enriched, equipped to show a more alive kind of a Christ? And as I finish, I just want to leave us with a question to ponder on. As you're walking through this Christian walk, because it is not easy, it is difficult. Being a believer has its challenges, especially in a world that is already geared or poised to oppose you. As you are living your life as a believer in this world that is already biased against you, what are your blind spots? Could it be a character flaw? You are a believer, but you're struggling with anger. Use the word as a mirror and reflect on that anger so that you may see it as a blind spot. Is your blind spot sexual immorality? Ask and seek the word to find solutions to that blind spot of sexual immorality. What if it is pride? What if it is selfishness? What is your blind spot? Ask yourself that question and put that into prayer and ask God, Hey, God, I as a Christian have this blind spot. Maybe you might be spiritual and your blind spot is the church. You have been hiding behind registrations and membership numbers and hymns and ordinances. But if all that was stripped away and torn down, then your believer status will cease to exist. What, dear listener, is your blind spot? For me, I am struggling with them and I'm consistently putting them in prayer. That God may remind me that, Roy, I am not perfect, I have my blind spots, and God may guide me out of these blind spots, to the glory and honor of his name. Thank you so much for listening to me this evening.
0: Thank you so much, Roy. Two things that have been the skeleton of our discussion today is the visible church, which Roy has referred to as our behavior, the things that people uh, can see. And then the invisible church, what only God can see. And I know he did touch on a couple of very, very sensitive matters when it comes to things like ordinances. And, 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 And these have been challenged. I was actually having a discussion with a very good friend today as we were enjoying breakfast and we could not figure out how the church should be able to handle things like the lord's supper especially during a lockdown how what do you do how do you do it do you instruct families and fathers uh to carry out these things because christ says do this as often as you can in remembrance of me and there we have the church really, really challenged by these uh, unprecedented times, like the rest of the world puts it. And, and and it comes down now to us as believers and our character and what we do. And I know we've gone um, around talking about this in different terms, maybe terms that can be easily remembered by using words like blind spots. And I've been trying to think about this, Roy, and how God... Terms these things in the scriptures, and, and we realize one thing one thing is very, very clear that one Christ addressed these matters as well, and uh, he, he he called them hypocrites. He said in Matthew chapter 23, in verse 29, he asked the question, he says, He, he says the words, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we could not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. And he, he simply say, You guys are, are showing yourselves to be okay. But of course, he's talking about the fact that these same guys are going to kill him. And he says that 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 is the opposite of what you guys are professing to believe. And that was not popular. It was, we could consider it rude when you address the religious leaders of those days. And so I understand that uh, when we talk about our practices as believers, especially to some of us who are faithful church attendants, and, and someone is questioning your motive at this point, that may not sound very popular. It's not very encouraging, especially if it is rebuking. It is not, and I understand that. And then you must be feeling worse if even church attendance has been difficult for you, either because you don't have data, you don't have the means to do it. And and we understand that. We understand that. And that's why we're trying to have this discussion and say, what is the invisible church? What is the visible church? And these two work hand in hand. Of course, what's on the inside will overflow. It will overflow towards that which we see. But I want once again to thank Mr. Roy for spending such beautiful evening uh, with us and i know he has disappeared on us roy can you hear me if you can hear me let me know i'm not seeing you on the list i'm here Uh, you're here how come there's something very wrong then on my dashboard like i don't seem to be able to see but roy allow me to just pose a couple of questions as we come to the end of our show um Mm -hmm. the things you've talked about today um can be and in so many ways, um, very difficult to deal with. Someone may look and I'm talking about church leaders who are present here with us. I'm talking about Christians who are growing and are here with us and they, they can be so difficult to take in. And, uh, I know there are good reflections, and I know Mr. Joel here has da- just acknowledged that, especially with blind spots. they are big challenges, uh, according to Ella. Say, thank you for letting me think outside of my masquerade, and uh, may God help me. And I, I've had these discussions, not similar ones, with my children. And uh, I'm sorry, once again, I'm using my children as an illustration. <laughs> but... You you don't want to leave someone extremely discouraged to the point that they think there's no hope. There's no hope. Especially we we, we hold on to church. Um, we go to church sometimes as a hospital to receive help, and sometimes we don't get the help that we are looking for. We are looking for help, and 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 we sometimes we don't. We look to our Christian friends for help, and sometimes we don't. Why? Because it's like going to the hospital and you're looking for help, not from the doctor, um, but in instance, you're looking for help from a fellow patient. And the patient only lets you know that, man, the same cough you're struggling with is the same cough that I have. And maybe they'll let you know by coughing in your face. Mm-hmm. And then you're so mad that they coughed in your face that you forget that uh, they too are sick. But to a Christian who might be extremely discouraged at this point, by what they see, at least by the visible church of other people's churches, what, what kind of advice would you give them to know? Or well, there could be that sick uh, patient that coughed in the face of the other who was trying to seek for help, but one who may be extremely discouraged right now, and they're saying, man, Roy, stuff has failed. It has failed. I, I do not know where do I start right now. My church life, at least... The visible and the invisible has failed. What God sees, even me, I'm disgusted by what God is seeing. But they've also received evidence that what the other believers are seeing, they don't like. And they look at their own image in the mirror, and they're saying, even me, I don't like what I see right now. And you don't have to tell me that I'm a sinner. It is true. My life has failed. How do I start? Church is closed. Okay, not necessarily the building, but man, there's no help. Online just does not do it. I know we are trying so hard, even with Cabin devos, to have some sort of word before we go to bed, but it is difficult. I like to see your faces, but I'm seeing icons. I'm seeing a Joel who is smiling. I'm not sure if he's still smiling, but I'm only seeing a picture. I'm only seeing it. It is good. It is not good enough, but it is good. How do I start to recover, Mr. Roy?
1: Um, David, that is a loaded and a heavy question, um, especially to those who might be facing discouragement of one kind or another, either through their invisible church, that is their walk, spiritual walk, or by the church itself, the visible church. Maybe the visible church has desert, deserted them at their most um needy hour, or their hour of need, rather. My encouragement will be hold on, Um, trust God, and keep that conversation going on with God. Um, Let me just use two examples, two quick examples. Um, There are instances where I have fallen ill. And um, in falling ill, I have quickly gone to the local pharmacy and tried to prescribe myself what I think will be the remedy to my illness. It could be a flu or, a, or just a simple cough or an allergic reaction. And because of past experiences, I will tell the probably the pharmacist I need this specific cough syrup or this um, anti-allergen so that, because I think that it is what is going to give me relief. Um, there was a time that my wife challenged me and told me, um, Roy, this self prescription this self-prescription process needs to end Um, when something persists seek medical advice and when I go to the hospital shock on me Uh, when the doctor asks me have you taken any medicine and I tell him about all these um, prescriptions that I have given myself and I think that uh, hey here I am bright enough never have gone to medical school but I know the impacts of this medicine and the doctor prescribes for me something very simple something that if I had gone to him previously, I would have spent less um, in buying some of this medicine and I would have gotten relief faster. Sometimes that's how our Christian walk is. We find ourselves in very tough positions, probably discouraged by life, uh, discouraged by our sinful life, uh, things that we are struggling with, and we quickly look for prescriptions. Uh, we try to self-prescribe ourselves. The one thing that I have consistently been told and encouraged is the best prescription for a sinful life is prayer. And when I'm talking prayer, I'm talking about a candid conversation with God. Hey, God, here I am, heartbroken by the church, disgusted by my sin. I am struggling with this. Lord, give me calmness, direct my thoughts, Come into my life. Walk with me through this struggle and allow me to experience freedom that only can be given by you. And that is my encouragement to them. A genuine conversation with God where you do not hide what it is that you're struggling with, where you do not hide your pain, Mm. the things that they are struggling with and eventually just putting them at the right person's hands and he will give you the right prescription.
0: Mm. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Roy. I really appreciate uh, some of the insights you're giving there. And ladies and gentlemen, this is really the purpose of uh, cabin devils. Uh, I'm sorry to uh, give us a quick kalango, but I've been thinking about this recently. Um, When all other systems fail, when we cannot go to church, when we cannot reach out to friends, honestly, all we are left with is our relationship with God. It's not the only a realm in which we live, but that's really the foundation that brings every other thing that we get to see, the visible church, our behavior, and how we live out before God. And when I was thinking about and asking the question to Roy, I honestly didn't have a quick answer. And like I usually do, I go online because it's a very quick search engine that can help you see what has been published out there and just now i landed on a very beautiful reference uh site here that has 25 encouraging bible verses about strength that's the moment when you're weak let me read this for you and you're going to notice something that is that is like a thread that is running through all of them and i'll start with romans 15:5. may the god who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that christ jesus had then the fastest, I mean, uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. John sixteen thirty three. I have told you this thing so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Psalm 12, oh, 121, 1 and 2, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Nehemiah 8:10. do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isaiah 41, 10, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand i'm only at verse seven the seventh verse sorry there's 25 of them and one thing that is clear here it's only god can do what we cannot do and those moments where we are really down at the bottom like it is said the good thing about hitting rock bottom is that the only place to look is up and i want to encourage you every day to remain in god's word look up look up And eventually, God will bring other men and women alongside us, friends who will come and check on us. Don't resent them, especially when they begin to show you the dirt that is in your life. Don't show them back the dirt in their life. First of all, acknowledge that they are trying to point out. Very few people can point out certain things in our lives. Very few. Very few can be genuine enough. And so eventually, God will bring friends around us. God will bring church members around us. God will bring men and women who will encourage us in our work. But just when you've hit rock bottom, remember God, and eventually everything else will fall in place. So thank you so much, uh, Roy. I almost called you Dr. Roy. But thank you so much, Roy, uh, for spending time with us. I'm looking forward for a time in the future when we can be back here on Cabin Devils. Do you have any final thoughts as we come to the end of our show? One or two words as we uh, come to the end of our show, then I'll, I'll close officially. Roy.
1: Um, Just a statement I had the other day that um, has actually become almost a constant encouragement to me. Despite what you are going through, um, hold on to God's Mm. word, hold on Mm. to his promises. At the end of it all, God wins.
0: If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to to bed. You can as well grow in your faith. Copy Devo,
1: Your number one live podcast.
0: Every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.